Today, every day, small cap investors visit Agoracom knowing this is the day to discover the world's next great company to have their dreams come true. That's why I take to the open road to find them, to tell their stories, to engage them, to bring them to life because they want to connect with you from your office, your phone, your home, anywhere. Agoracom, find your dream. Welcome to CEO Interviews, a production of Gorecom, in which we take the time to speak with small cap executives about what's going on at their companies. Back with us again, we're happy to have him as always, Paul Gill, CEO of Lamico Metals, trades on the TSX Venture Exchange under the stock symbol LMR, and for our friends in the U.S., LMRMF. Now, for those of you who might be new to the story, uh, Lamico is in the midst of proving up a very high-grade graphite deposit. That's the La Luta Flake Graphite property. It's high grade and located about 120 kilometers northwest of Montreal. So it's in a fantastic uh, area. It's got two great zones, the graphene battery zone and the refractory zone. Uh, they've, got, they've reported multiple 100 meter uh, intercepts and multiple high grade, uh, high grade uh, zones as well. And that's what we're here to talk about. Paul, welcome back. Thanks, George. Thanks for having me back on. And uh, we're not just going to be talking about La Luta today, but I think we, we're also going to be having some great conversation about what Corona means to the global supply chain and how that's going to impact you specifically and the graphite, you know, the graphite supply chain. But let's talk about La Luta first. The news that you put out a few days ago, uh, and I'm reading this, Lamico and Quebec Precious Metals agree to update 100% option of the La Luta Flake Graphite project. So you're committing a million shares and $1.1 million of spending by 2021. What precipitated the move? Well, we've always wanted to have 100% ownership of the Lelut property before we do any kind of work on the PEA or proving up the exact um, numbers that are in the ground. And so uh, we had a chance to uh, extend the agreement that we had previously with uh, critical um, I'm sorry, with uh, Quebec Precious Metals is the new name of the company. Uh, so we, we're able to get that done now. Um, we're, we're looking at, I think, uh, a long period of time in order to complete that transaction. Gives us time to, to get permits to work on the project uh, and, and get on with metallurgy and some of the other work that we want to do. And is that, was this almost the final hurdle? Uh, did, did you want to have 100% so you could actually you know, make the moves and do what you got to do in terms of metallurgy, Fortitude 101, eventually PEA. Is this, is this the catalyst? Yeah. The important uh, element here is that you own 100% of the property. Then you are able to do uh, metallurgy to prove what's there. That will um, move right into the 43101 resource calculation. Uh, and uh, we think that's going to be very good. And that resource calculation, along with environmental studies, community studies, and, um, and graphite characterization studies, will allow us to create a preliminary economic assessment. And the reason why that PEA is, is uh, very important is that allows us to get off-take agreements at that point in time. So we've got a plan in place. Um, we've got um, milestones we have to meet. And uh, I think that um, 
I think that this is a the, this is what we wanted to do, and we're continuing along with that path. Only because you mentioned it, uh, I'm going to veer off a little bit and ask, you know, do you have a level of confidence yet that offtake agreements will be a part of the future? Has there have you have you have you seen the requisite kind of interest that leads you to believe that? Yes, we have. Um, we've seen offtake agreements with Nouveau Monde, uh, which is our nearest uh, competitor. We've had other ones that were signed uh, in the past on an MOU basis. There is a demand for the material. What did happen in the market, generally speaking, in 2018 and 19, was that um, we had um, African producer Sura, uh, which is actually an Australian company, Sura Resources, come out and start producing. And um, they put a lot of money into the ground in Africa, in, I think it says in Mozambique, sorry. And uh, the problem ended up is that the product that they were producing wasn't getting uh, enough, they weren't getting enough dollars for it. So they'd spend $700 um, pulling it out of the ground and processing it, but they'd only be selling it for 400. That's not a viable situation. So they, they blasted out a bunch of this material, very cheap, killed the market, and that, um, that basically um, stopped anyone signing optic agreements with anyone. Right. And so that is, you know, that's part of business. It's, it's part of, you know, commodity supply that you have to understand that there's buyers and sellers out there that have their own mandates. And these sellers, you know, just basically wanted to pay all the bills they had. Uh, so they, you know, they didn't realize they were going to, really wreck their own company doing it, which they, which they have. Um, but they're also put a dent into the general market of graphite, which, um, you know, eventually will be able to support those kinds of mines, just not now. We just don't have the penetration of, um, of electric vehicles into the consumers right now. But that's also okay with you because you're not ready to supply the market right now anyways. Uh, so if, if that's two to three years from now, that, that plays right into your hands. Yeah. And what it does is right now with the depressed prices, we're seeing uh, companies uh, go bankrupt out there. I mean, it's a sad reality, but you have a couple different companies that just aren't able to raise the funds to get, um, get to uh, production right now. So a lot of guys that were ahead of us, Mason Graphite, Northern Graphite, Graphite One, that maybe potential competitors weren't able to get um, financing to build their mines um, and build the processing facilities. Mason has, has um, decided to go into the processing business, which is interesting, rather than the mining business. Um, um, Nouveau Monde has a pilot project uh, going right now and they're waiting for a phone call from Tesla. So that's, uh, that's a, it's a great, uh, great marketing. Why are they, why are they waiting for a phone call from Tesla? Well, it's part of their marketing. And I think it's a, it's, you know, they have a, have the, uh, a great video thinking marketing or actually their marketing. Well, it's just their, their, their market, uh, uh, the way they're, they're marketing to their own <laughs> shareholders and, and yeah. getting confidence. But, you know, I, I, I like the uh, Nouveau Mons, a, a great management team and we're, 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 uh, you know, kind of uh, working uh, at the same types of projects. And, you know, there's going to be a need for many of these projects within North America. And I think that what we see now is a whole supply chain disruption that might benefit all of these companies. And so that's, that's 
the big news right now. All right, so let's talk about that. And global, look, nothing has happened yet because the whole world is dealing with coronavirus right now. But you hear the rumblings already that this is going to have a massive impact on global supply chain, specifically on China being the de facto supplier to the world for so many things, um, for, for reasons uh, that we don't need to discuss right now, but that's just the environment. So what could that mean to companies like Logmico in terms of two things? One, your graphite becoming even more valuable, and I don't mean in terms of dollar value, valuable in terms of more demand because you're in Canada, you're in Quebec, you're quantifiable, people can touch you, they, you, know, you're, you, you operate as a public company, so you're highly regulated. So one from that, and two from you know, a lot of these battery manufacturers, these gigafactories changing you know, or you know, switching locations of where they're going to manufacture to either North America or, you know, or the West. So how big of an impact, a positive impact, do you see potentially coming uh, in this global supply chain, uh, which I'm pretty sure is going to become an election issue. So we're going to hear about this. We're going to start hearing about this by June, July. I'd be surprised it took longer than that. What do you think that, how do you think that impacts you? Well, I think it's a, it's a big, huge impact that we have to take into account. I mean, they already were working towards sort of a North American supply chain model. Uh, between Canada and the U.S. because it's a long-standing issue that um, all of the rare earths and uh, many of the critical metals such as graphite, lithium, cobalt, etc. that are used in the economy today are, are not um, uh, supplied in North America. It's, it's like, okay, you're a, you're a manufacturer of whatever Thing you want to do like a car but you can't make the steel here so, so the jobs are exported so, you know it's it's crazy uh, we can't have an economy like that we're losing parts of our economy to China and so that that's that's time, right that's why we've lost so much growth you can't get growth off the ground no matter how low you drive rates um, so sorry not, not, not continue I wanted to kind of interject yeah no that's exactly what Japan is going through right now they can't compete with China um, and so they're importing a lot of those manufactured products you're giving away a lot of economic growth doing that you, you can't do that in the long term and continue to grow as a country and uh, you know so we're a, a country that I think that um, I think is in a good position being right beside the United States one of the biggest um, economies in the world. And so we have the material in the ground and Quebec is especially a good place to be sure. because um, they're, they're have a good mining uh, jurisdiction, good mining laws. Um, and uh, I think with the, the, the general global supply chain disruption that's going on, uh, they're looking to supply this material and perhaps even start building these mega factories in Canada and the U S. And I think there's um uh, five or six on, underway right now. There could be more. So let me ask you, Paul, um, nothing ever happens in a perfect world, but if everything went your way reasonably in terms of raising some money and, you know, going through metallurgy and four through one one all those kind of things, you know, how far away could you realistically be from a being at the, being at the PEA stage, I guess, where you can, uh, where you can start to, uh, sign off, take agreements, and B, actually start delivering on those things. What does it look like for you guys? 
Yeah, I think right now uh, to get to the PEA is about a year and a half because uh, we'll we'll raise money to to buy 100% of the property. That's number one, the number one task. Then metallurgy, which takes um, about um, three months to come in. That's one of the big risk factors you want to. Graphite characterization is a large flake, medium flake that can be converted to spherical graphite. You're going to do well. And then, uh, then, then you have the 43101 resource. You'll define what you have in the ground. And also what's really important for us is to also um, use that graphite characterization uh, to define exactly where it's located on the property. So if, it's, if there's a, a section that's high carbon content, um, high grades in the ground versus the, the waste rock and meaning um, it can be popped out really easily, that's high value material. So we need to define exactly where that is. And if there's pockets of that near the surface, all of a sudden those can be reported in terms of spherical graphite value, which is twenty-seven dollars to $3,000 per ton US now, as opposed to the actual um, average, cost, average um, price for graphite material, which is probably seven to 800. There's a whole range of this material. So, so we want to be able to supply that high-end material. That's the most important um, market for us. And then everything else can fall into place um, with the other markets uh, as we're producing that high-end material. To get that done though, you're gonna have to need to raise money along the way. What's the appetite out there right now? On the flips, on, on the, and I can see on the one hand, naturally the easy part to predict is that it's difficult because a lot of liquidity has van a lot of the risk liquidity has has kind of gone away or at least hiding for now. But on the flip side, you're a company directly related to the emergence of electrical vehicles in the next decade for the next 50 years. Uh, so which one of those plays off plays stronger uh, so that you guys can actually start, you know, closing the money that you need? Yeah. Well, a public company, generally speaking, like us, uh, junior mining, depends on retail investors and retail investors are um, are pretty scared right now of putting any money into anything. Uh, so that's the difficulty we face with retail investors. On the flip side, institutional investors are now looking at deploying large amounts of capital to think. these long-term projects because no one's building malls anymore. Um, no one's building these huge um infrastructure projects as much. So they need to deploy, they have capital deploy that they want to get returns on. And so we're in a great position to, to chat with some of those people that are uh, going to, you know, be able to give us a hundred million to build a project out and then uh, wait another five or six years for us to be able to, uh, to pay that uh, loan back out of, out of the revenue and profit. Um, let's switch gears a little bit to where the market may be going because there are two factors that I see playing off each other. And when I mean the market, I'm talking about the demand for electric vehicles going forward. On the one hand, Tesla, despite everything that's gone on, I'm looking at right now trading at $708 a share. So relatively unscathed. I mean, some damage to it, but you know, you talk about going from 900 to 708. It's you're still really strong considering in October is sitting below 300. So it's held very strong. What does that tell you? Uh, 
uh, and then we'll get into the oil 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 supply shock side of things. But what is what does Tesla's performance tell you about the future of electric vehicles? Well, um, let's listen to the wisdom of the markets. You know, the the wisdom of the markets has told us that um, Tesla was one of the last uh, to go down in in this particular in in all of these uh, big big companies, and it was the first to jump back and recover its value. So what that tells you is not only is the industry a very good industry to be in, but Tesla is a bellwether stock that people are looking at in the same sort of context as um, Apple, um, Google, or Amazon. I mean, yeah, they're that, looking they're looking five years out. They're not looking five weeks or five months out. Yeah, and there is a loyal customer base and a loyal shareholder base, and they're almost um, copycats of each other. The loyal customer base will continue to buy Teslas and continue to advertise Teslas to their family and friends and everyone else. And uh, and this is, of course, you know, high net worth people. Um, the, you know, you, it sure. takes a bit of money to buy a Tesla, but but there's a there's a good portion of people that are going to be um, can, going to be buying those kinds of cars and they just stop buying their Escalades and their Rolls Royces and their other cars. Right. So they're, they're being Tesla supplanting some of the demand for those types of uh, luxury vehicles right now, whether they penetrate down into um, bigger uh, markets is the next step that we'll see, but they're well established as a supplier of, luxury vehicles right now and that's an accomplishment that we have to take or, or tip our hat to for and I'm, I'm not even sure they need to penetrate down into the more affordable because maybe somebody else will just pick up that slack tesla might end up being the mercedes bmw of 20 years ago not now they got these smaller vehicles but you know they may turn out to be the mercedes or bmw of the electronic vehicle space and have let somebody else have but the bottom line is even though they're focusing on that uh, you know, they still got a market cap of $126 billion and it jumped here. Look, just, just at the beginning of April, it was sitting about $460 and in uh, two and a half weeks up to 709. You're talking about, you're talking about almost, you're talking about $50 billion of market cap that's been re that's rebounded. So people yeah. naturally believe that electric vehicles are here to stay no matter what happens in the next yeah, there was a months out of Corona. Yeah, there was an interesting uh, situation back in October where Elon Musk, uh, or maybe it was summer of last year, where Elon Musk went to Saudi Arabia, came out and said, oh, we're done. Or, you know, we've got investors. And then he got slapped with a $40 million dollar fine from SEC for saying that because the stock price of Tesla went up. But he didn't care because you know what? He's got all the money in the world behind him from Saudi Arabia. I think that's the fact. Um, if you, you know, if you have unlimited supply of capital in order to grow your business and um, to to deal with any cash calls and and everything like that, you can't lose. It's like betting against the house in Vegas. Yeah. So yeah. I see all these Tesla bears talking about fundamentals and people saying, "Oh, well, the car is not run well and this and this and that." Look, guys wake up and smell the cappuccino okay this is happening and you better get on the train because tesla's going to be like a huge win and that's great for us in lamico because we want to be a supplier to to those kinds of vehicles built in north america 
Hey, and for those of you out there that hopefully are following Agoracom, whether it's on LinkedIn or Twitter, you'll find my call on Tesla, just as a side note, pat on the back, when is that? $40. $40. I don't know, three, four years ago. It was April 1st also. And I said, Tesla's a buy at $40. It's a multi-generational buy. This is it. Because it's got a leader like Steve Jobs and it's got a, it's got a product like Apple. Uh, yeah. And I talked about, you're going to see it at $600 someday. And here we are at 708. Now I sold lower than this, but I'm still happy. But you know, that's, there's no doubt that, uh, that that's what, but let me ask you the flip side, which is the price of oil has gone through a shock. The entire oil industry has gone through a shock. Uh, yeah. We all know the numbers, even the futures are trading at $10 a barrel right now, 10, $11 a barrel. The spot prices you're hearing these horror stories that I've gone double digit negative because buyers yeah. actually have to pay the suppliers to keep it because they have nowhere to put it. Now, we know that's not going to stay like that. Eventually, the economy is going to get back on its feet. Uh, but there is a real possibility of oil being at 10 to 20, being between 10 and $20 for a year or two, right? Yeah. So the yeah. question I have for you is, as the consumer gets used to really cheap prices at the pump, significantly cheaper airline tickets because oil, you know, the fuel is the number one fuel is one of the one or two top uh, expended expenses for uh, that contribute to plane tickets. Is there a risk here that the electric vehicle movement actually pauses or takes a bit of a step back? You can't stop it, but pauses uh, because people are saying, Hey, this is just too good to give up. I'm okay with, I'm okay with uh, 40 cent per liter oil at the, ta at the, uh, at the gas station. Yeah, it's an interesting question, and, and that's something that people have to examine. And uh, I think that um, there's a lot of people writing about that uh, situation right now. But here's my view on it, is that um, uh, the Tesla owner isn't necessarily concerned about uh, the price of oil or, or switching to another product. They've got an Apple-type product, meaning sure. that that is their life. They've got the Apple They've got the Apple computers and Apple phones and Apple iPods and this and that. So that's the same thing with Tesla. You're going to have a Tesla wall. You're going to, um, you know, you're going to have um, solar panels or whatever. You're going to buy that product because you're a believer in that product. Absolutely. That's not going away. Uh, and I think the price of oil doesn't make a damn bit of difference. Darn bit of difference in that. I said, you can say damn, that's all right. But does, what impact does it have on the non-Tesla owner, George and Bob and Mary, who have been thinking, yeah, I got to go electric soon. I got to go electric soon. And now they're seeing some crazy price at the pumps and saying, well, well it's I play. go to electric soon because I'm, I'm not spending, a, uh, I'm spending one third to one quarter of the money I was spending last year on my gas. Yeah, I think there's a, a lot of people, a lot of companies that are playing for that cheaper market, uh, whether it be GM or other ones um, in that in that ilk. Uh, but they're going to be hurt by it more than the Tesla would be because Tesla's at a at a different level. Um, you know, people talking about a fifteen or sixteen thousand dollar car that's electric versus um, uh, internal combustion. They might just go for the internal combustion because now operating costs are a bit cheaper, but uh, that isn't going to affect the luxury owner 
um, as much. That decision, you know, the elasticity there uh, about the price of oil doesn't matter uh, to someone who's who's got a plug-in and has changed their lifestyle because it's a lifestyle change. I think it takes a lot to to decide not to be uh, to go off of oil and start plugging in your car. That is a that's a oh, yeah. different situation, right? I mean, when people start doing that, they're not going back. I don't think they are. Paul, thanks for joining us. Uh, I love the insight on the global supply chain where electrical vehicles are growing, going and how that impacts you sitting just, you know, just over 100 kilometers outside of Montreal with amazing infrastructure, which is amazing access for those of you <clears throat> who don't know Canadian geography, great access to the northeastern or the entire eastern seaboard of, of the U.S. market. So, uh, you know, glad for you to join us, glad to talk about it and, uh, and glad to see that Lomico is actually moving forward, you know, with this, uh, with this press release, with this news out of Quebec Precious Metals uh, and going out there to raise, to raise the funding to move everything forward. That's a, that's a great sign and can't wait to have you back on when, uh, uh, when you're moving the company forward on, on the next milestone. Yeah, thanks so much, George. And you know what? We're going to keep working away at this. That's how you get things done um, is you continue with your plan and execute on the plan. It might be delays or, or diversions, but the plan is there, and I think it's a solid one. Thanks very much. You've been watching Paul Gill, CEO of Lamico Metals, trades on the Venture Exchange on the stock symbol LMR, and for our friends in the U.S. on the OTCQB under LMRMF. Look, I've said this on other webcasts. You've got a lot of time on your hands at home right now, uh, or if you're working a little less than usual, or for some people, not at all. We've got a lot of time. There's only so much time you can spend on Netflix. There's only so many walks you can take. Use this time to do your due diligence. Uh, and Lomico Metals is an amazing company to do due diligence on because Paul is very open, communicative. You can find him on LinkedIn, find him on Facebook, find him on Twitter, see all the things he has to say. We've done a number of interviews just since, just since the, 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 the fall, right? That made four, probably about four, maybe five interviews. Uh, watch those. Take a close, close look. Uh, and when you see the company is actually, you know, locking down 100% of La Luta based on this latest press release with Quebec Precious Metals, you know they're serious about their future. Great time to do your due diligence. And when you have your questions, get over to Gorecom, start asking those questions so Paul and his team can answer them for you you just might discover your next great small cap company. So thanks for joining us, everyone. Have a fantastic day. Continue to stay safe, and we'll see you next time.